Welcome to Troblack TV's weekly podcast where we feature the world's most extreme athlete. This week, we're featuring Hazel Finley, who just sent mind control at 514C. After undergoing a shoulder surgery and rehab for injuries she sustained on a climb called Air Sweden in Indian Creek back in 2010. Though I heard of Hazel Finley before, Hazel really didn't come onto my radar screen until 2011 when Alex Hummel and her captured the second and third ascent of a route that I established back in 1983 in northern Maine, a route called Maniac, hailed as one of the hardest climbs in the country at the time. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Hazel Finley. Hazel, welcome to our show. Well, first of all, major kudos on mind control. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Is that your uh, first fun. 14C? Um, okay, let me see how it um, translates because um, it might... Well, people... I've done fisheye, which gets 8C, and mind control now people say is 8C. So I don't know if that's 14C or 14B, but no, it's not because I've done fisheye. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, yeah. still, it's all in the same range there, but still, uh, it seemed like yeah. that climb represented a, a couple of challenges that, like, particularly on your shoulder, that crossover move. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't really about speed for me. It, it was just about like climbing a ho- something hard again and mm-hmm. something which really meant that my body was fit and working well. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was really nice to, to do it and not, you know, come, come across, you know, problems with my body and my shoulder. So yeah, it was fun. How'd that feel when you were doing that move? Fine. Yeah. My shoulder felt really strong. Yeah. Right on. Right on. So was it much, as much of a psychological barrier as a physical one for you? Because certainly you must have been concerned about re-injuring it a little bit. Not really, no. Like, I knew that my shoulder was strong enough. It's more that I'm still getting quite a lot of pain in, like, on that side of my upper body, um, like, elbow and my side. And it. I now sort of understand pain a bit more and I understand that like it it doesn't always kind of correspond to an, an injury you can just sort of have bits of your body that hurt um but basically kind of ever since the, the shoulder got really bad like three years ago and then after the operation like it's always kind of hurt and sometimes I think it hurts for a reason but I think sometimes it, it doesn't hurt for a reason it's just hurting and so it's more kind of like dealing with that and trying to kind of, you know, understand that a bit better and not be stressed by it. So, like, to continue to, continue to go climbing and not kind of stop because you're thinking, oh, God, there's something wrong with my elbow or there's something wrong with this. And, um, so, yeah, it was, it was kind of a mental battle in that sense, but it wasn't mental battle since I never thought my shoulder was going to be injured again. It feels strong. That's good. So, That's good. Yeah. So when you, when how did you injure it in the first place? 
Um, I ended up on a route called Air Sweden, which is this route in Indian Creek. And it goes up a crack until the crack kind of gets too thin. And then you sort of like go out onto an arete and you like slap between the crack and the arete. And um, it's it's really um, intense on the shoulders because your feet kind of pop. And um, basically your arm just sort of gets wrenched every time you do the move. Um, so, and because I've got quite flexible shoulders, and I, at that point I did no um, shoulder stability training. I just went rock climbing. Um, mm. Basically, that's when I first injured it, and it, and it was labrum tear. But that was years did, ago now. That was like 2010 or something. Did you know you injured it at the time? Or was it just something that kind of came up the, yeah. the following day? Yeah, no, I, I pretty much knew during the time uh, that it was injured. Um, but I didn't know to what extent. I didn't know to what extent until I got the operation. And they, the surgeon told me what, what was actually in my shoulder. I didn't know until that point what was really going on. That had to have been hard on you, man, because I just, I've dealt with shoulder injuries myself. I hadn't had to have shoulder surgery, but just in terms of like that pain, um, every time you lift your arm, yeah. oh my God. When, how did you know that you needed surgery? Did you go in and they do a scan or something like that? Yeah, so what happened is, um, the shoulder got quite bad, and after, I, I kind of done it for like, five, four years, something like that. And I climbed, like, all my hardest routes with this labrum tear. Um, but then for some reason, it started to get worse. And for about a year, I didn't climb that much. So that was 2014. I didn't climb that much. I was trying to work out what was wrong with my shoulder. Um, and then I kind of got sick of it, and I just, like, went... And, and, and people didn't diagnose it as a labrum tear, they kept diagnosing it as something else. Um, and I, I went to Australia and I was just trying to climb on it and ignore the pain, but it just kept getting worse. So then I went and got a scan there and I saw a physio there and the consensus was that I did have a labrum tear. And, um, and, uh, and then I went to see a surgeon in the UK and he said that the scan actually wasn't conclusive and that maybe I didn't have a labrum tear, um, but I should get the surgery anyway because it was likely that I had it. And since I tried like all the other op these options, surgery was kind of like the last thing. Um, but in hindsight now, I kind of wish I hadn't got the operation, but that's kind of like a whole why, why story. Because I know there's a lot of people who are um, that are dealing with shoulders themselves and just going, geez, I wonder if I should have one. Yeah, I mean, what I would advise to anyone who's kind of like suffered long-term shoulder pain from climbing, um, I would advise them to go um, do research into pain and I'd go and advise them to see a pain specialist if they've got like good strength in their shoulder and you know good range of mobility and if their shoulder pain is mostly when they're at rest so for me 
most of my shoulder pain was not when I was climbing. It was kind of at random points in the day and before and after climbing. Um, mm. And basically, like, there's loads of research now going into pain and pain management. And I think a lot of the time, it's just how you you can climb with labrum tear. Like, there's no there's no reason why you can't climb with labrum tear. Um, like, you can have full shoulder stability and strength with one. Um, but it's just about body's reaction to that kind of tissue damage and if you felt it for longer than three months it becomes chronic pain which is kind of a different kind of pain to acute pain so i think that like people should really go down that road first before they get surgery because the surgery Mm -hmm. like for me it was it was really difficult and i didn't recover very well from it i know that other people have recovered better from it but for me it was it wasn't fun and i spent loads of time out from climbing how long do you take out? Um, well, I started climbing again like three or four months four months after the operation, but I did I wasn't climbing properly and at my limit until you know, like a year after the operation. And even then I was still getting pain. Because even though the shoulder was fixed, I was still feeling the pain. So mm-hmm. it was it's it's more complicated than how people might first imagine. Um, so I don't know. That's my advice. I think people, are, if you go and see a surgeon, he's gonna want to do surgery on you because that's his of course. job. <laughs> that's <laughs> he his job. Money to do it, you know. Um, <laughs> so, like, I think it's just important to kind of go through the other options. And at that point, I didn't really know. Um, that the whole pain of side of things was an option, so that's so I didn't do that. But now that I know about it, I kind of wish that I'd like explored that avenue first. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard that with so many people. Um, you know, I, I just had I had knee surgery a couple of years ago, and you know, it went through the same process of trying to figure out if I could just do therapy and work my way through and just kind of dealt with the pain. But then after a while, it got to the point where I realized there was something wrong. I got a scan and found out, yes, I did have a tear. Um, yeah. Fortunately, with my shoulder, I haven't had that situation, but I, I can relate to it that way because, wow, a year. Yeah. Yeah, injuries are hard. Yeah, yeah. injuries are really hard psychologically, especially. How did you deal with that yeah. mentally? Mm, I don't know, really. You just, you just still have to get on with it, don't you? So, um, <laughs> you do, don't you? I mean, it was yeah. You just, you just, I mean, you don't really have a choice. Um, yeah, you just keep trying until until you fix it, and and then you can climb again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it definitely wasn't easy. Yeah, you, you you know, I've been following your career here for a while, but back in 2011, you really came onto my radar screen when you and Alex repeated a route of mine in northeastern Maine called Maniac. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a really good route. Oh, thanks. Route. Yeah. yeah, so tell me about that whole experience of how you found that, because uh, you had to rebolt it too, right? Yeah, I think when we found it, the 
because it's by the ocean, um, the the bolts rust really easily. Um, but it's it's like half bolts, half chad, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know that was back to the day when sport climbing was just coming in, and I was at the time I was getting a lot of flack for. Um, the style of climbing I was doing, and people were saying, "Well, you're not really climbing." I said, "Well, I'm sport climbing," and I would try to make it sporty. I would say, "Well, if I didn't have to put a bolt in, I would do a trad." But when I got to the point where I realized yeah. nothing was going to hold, I put a bolt in. Um, yeah, so, and that's the kind of the style in North America, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In a lot of places. <laughs> Unlike what your country, I mean, you guys just run it out forever. <laughs> if you can't find pro, we are out of luck. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But we do have some areas where it's a bit more mixed, but then I think in the end they just become sport climbing areas. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's some areas which, you know, you'll get strung up if you put a bolt in. You, know, you have to leave it. When you were climbing there, um, did it remind you at all of some of the sea cliffs in your area? Uh, like, it reminded me of a little bit of, uh, when I was watching you on uh, Spice Girls. Um, did that help mm-hmm. having that experience, taking it to Quaddy Head? Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I think all your experience as a climber helps you, you know, in general. Um, but, like, yeah, I mean the thing is that the 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 gear on that route was pretty obvious. So I think I don't think it helped that much having that experience. But I do remember thinking that the rock was quite a lot like slate. Like it's really mm-hmm. interesting rock on that route because it's like it's really uh, smooth in between the features, isn't it? Yeah. And uh um and this sort of we have slate climbing in the UK and um, in North Wales, and that rock is like is really smooth in between the crimps. Like you can't really smear. Like you have to use the specific foothold. And I remember thinking that it was really similar on the main maniac. Yeah, no. When I found it, I was actually doing the routes on either side of it, and the light just happened to hit it. Cause I, I remember looking at it and it just looked like this blank wall. There's just nothing there. Mm. But then the light hit it when yeah. I was coming down from um, the route to the next to it, just to the right of the triangulation. And I was looking, going, you know, if I didn't know better, it looks like there's some edges there. I wrapped down. I was like, oh, my God, there are some edges here. But I didn't know if it would go. Um, I was so excited when it yeah. finally went. And I had no idea how to rate it because back then, you know, the hardest it was the 13C at the time. And so I'm thinking, God, this I, I had done a bunch of 13Cs, and I wasn't sure. I thought, this is definitely harder. So I didn't know how to rate it. So it sounds like you and Alex thought it was 13CD somewhere on there. Yeah. I don't know. I I can't really remember so well, actually. <laughs> and also, I'm terrible at grading things. Yeah, so um, am I. <laughs> but... I would imagine Alex is pretty good at grading things, so, yeah. Yeah, when I was talking to him, he said, you know, I was tempted to rate it 14A, but then, you know, when you cruise it so easily, he goes, well, then it, it had to be 13B, you know how Alex talks, so I guess maybe I would. <laughs> yeah, classic. Like, <laughs> if Hazel's done it, it must be really easy. It's probably only, like, 12B. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a good sense of humor. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he really uh, needs it, though. <laughs> no, I know. That's just, that's just it. You're looking at him and going, I, he is he joking it. or is he serious? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're known as a bold climber and that you're fearless and willing to take a lot of risk. Is that is that a Brit thing or is that something you're just how you're wired? Mm. Well, I definitely don't consider myself as a person who's willing to take a lot of risk um, at all. Uh, I just think that maybe I maybe I can kind of manage that maybe a bit better than some other people. Um, and and I quite I quite like that challenge, I suppose. It's not that I find it super easy. It's that I'm kind of attracted to routes that are a little bit scarier because um, of that added challenge. It's not just a physical challenge anymore. There's a, there's a mental challenge in there as well. Mm-hmm. When did you start developing that mindset? Mm, you kind of have to have that mindset if you live in the UK, um, because then <laughs> no doubt. if you don't, yeah, if you don't, if you don't enjoy that kind of mental challenge in the UK, then you have to climb like really far below your physical limit. Um, you know, if you don't want to fall off anything, then you're gonna and, and you you can climb fairly hard. Then you're just gonna be climbing like really easy routes. So you kind of have to, if if you want to climb at your physical limit, you kind of have to push your mental limit as well because I personally think most of the best routes in the UK are trad routes. Um, if you're going to go sport climbing, it's, you may as well go to Spain, I think. I mean, we have some good sport crags, but I don't. They're not world-class at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to climb the trad stuff, then you kind of have to get your head in gear. Um, so that's, it just happened that way, really. Yeah, so when you're facing the potential of a nasty fall, which seems like that's always the case when you're climbing there, how do you deal with fear and the negative mind chatter? Um, well, firstly, like it's not the case that all of these, these routes in the UK are like death routes or anything. It's just like, you know, if you try climbing in the States and you're, like, you're crack climbing, you kind of just can always put a cam above your head if you need to. Mm-hmm. Like because of the UK and the style of space climbing, you do kind of have to run it out. But it's not to say that if you if you fall, it's always going to be dangerous. Um, and then you know some routes aren't dangerous at all. But anyway, um, the negative chatter. Well, so like in recent years, when I was doing a lot of in the UK, it kind of was all quite intuitive, and I didn't think so much about it. But in the recent years, I've done. I've become like a mental training coach for, for climbers. And so now I've thought a lot about how to switch off that negative chatter. And um, I think, you know, a good way is to like, is to really phys- uh, focus on something that's happening right now. So whether that's like the, the movement of a climbing or your breathing or, you know, ambient noise or, you know, looking at something in detail because the negative cast is usually always about something like that's going to, ha- that might happen momentarily. It's not actually happened yet, but if you're really distracted by that negative chatter, then it's, it's more likely to happen. So if you focus, if you just try to focus 
like 100% on the next move and, and how to do it as best as you can, then that negative chatter quietens down. Interesting. I, I found the same. Do you find that your breathing has a lot to do with that as well? Yeah, I think that focusing on your breathing is, especially if you do something like yoga and you're used to focusing on breath, then it can be a really good way to kind of just like to, to bring your mind into the present moment and not and not be distracted. And then also you can like focus on calming that thing and then, you know, making those subtle changes in your breath can, you know, cause you to become more relaxed. Yeah, I find that breathing helps me immensely if I just focus on that. Yeah. You've had some uh, scary moments, too. Like back in 2012, you definitely wrote called, of all things, Impact Day. Uh, what mm-hmm, lessons did yeah. you learn from that experience? Did you go back and do it afterwards, or did you walk away from that? I haven't been back to do it, but I would really like to this year. Um, I kind of got distracted by other things, and then the whole shoulder saga has kind of like has stopped me from doing a lot of the stuff I want to do but the plan is to go back this year as long as it's not too wet in the UK um but yeah uh, that was kind of an interesting experience because basically it was a head point so I top roped it first and I top roped it fairly easily and so in my mind I've kind of like already done the route and so when I stepped up to to try it I kind of I wasn't focused enough. I I didn't, you know, I kind of expected it to feel easy and I hadn't really gauged that actually I tried quite hard on top rope. And so basically I set up to do this move and just missed the hole entirely, peeled backwards, ripped a piece of gear, which I knew would probably rip anyway, and then kind of like fell a long way, bouncing down these ledges as I went Um and I actually ended up with the rope around my neck. Like I went head first and then ended up with the rope around my neck and it it wasn't very pretty. No, um, I saw the photo of that. It's like the first thought I had was like, <laughs> you are lucky the rope didn't come taunt with it Super lucky. around your neck. Oh, you could have snapped your neck. <laughs> yeah, wow. and I wasn't wearing a helmet either. And I, I went head first down like really ledgy things. So I had no idea how I managed not to hit my head. Wow, you were so lucky. I, you know, I had a, a completely different experience, but similar. Um, there was a climb in Lake Tahoe in Truckee, uh, down Summit called uh, Short Subject. Um, it was back during the era where you weren't allowed to put bolts in on, on rappel. Yeah. So I said, well, screw it. I'll just solo it. It was only 11D12A. I thought, no problem. And I had a, there was a photographer that wanted me to do it really early in the morning. Now, I get up early in the morning, but I'm not one that's going to be free sawing at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you're not psyched about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but the lighting was good. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And I didn't, I hadn't made the mistake of not warming up properly. And I got on the route and I get out there right in the middle of the crux and there's involved kind of an intricate heel hook to get you so you can get the next move higher. My heel hook popped. And next thing you know, I'm swinging around. I'm looking down at the rocks down below and got, oh, my fucking word, I can't believe this. And I'm dropping down, and I went right between two jagged rocks into some man's knee to brush. Scared the hell out of me because I, I, I could have died Whoa. easily. And um, 
Whoa. I had to, yeah, I, I went back later and because it's like getting back on the horse and I did it again. Mm-hmm. But I'll never forget that. Just never taking anything for granted because I had taken it for granted. I thought that because I did it on top of before quite easily that, oh, this is a piece of cake. I can just cruise through this and <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that mindset, isn't it? You're like, oh, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and then as soon as you think that, you know, you're not focused on what you're doing. Exactly. You're not really focused. Your mind is actually somewhere else. I was actually focused on the photo shoot and not actually the climb. Yeah. So that was dangerous. How did it feel to put the heel hook in the second time around? I locked that heel hook. That wasn't going to go anywhere this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was all. I actually didn't go with the target with next time. I just went by myself and just did it because I had to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to get back on again. It doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me that you, yeah. you've gotten into coaching as well and you're helping others overcome fear. How's that coming? I see you've got quite a few I people really that are responding. It. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, it's just it kind of nice like to do something, yeah, that's um, just different from, you know, just focusing on my own climbing. Like, it's kind of a fresh, breath of fresh air to, um, you know, put my energy elsewhere as, as well as not just like, oh, what am I going to climb next, you know? And I just think that it's kind of a, it's a perfect other thing for me to do because, it involves, you know, it's still within the realm of climbing, um, but it's also got this other element to, to it, this whole sort of psychology that's really interesting and, like, completely transcends climbing. You know, like, if you can deal with stress on the rock, then, and, he, and if you can train that and you can think about it, then you can, that that's going to, um, you know, filter into other areas of your life as well, so... I'm really enjoying it, and I'm learning tons. Yeah, no, because you really have touched on something there that about fear, and it's one of my favorite subjects to talk about because it's, you know, over the past um, years, it's the number one question that people ask me all the time, well, aren't you afraid? Uh, how did you deal with fear and everything else? And I'm just curious to you, because um, everyone has a different definition of fear and how they deal with it. What do you find so special about this topic of fear? Um, what intrigues you about it? Um, well, I think, you know, fear is like, is a, is a really natural emotion to, to feel as a human. Um, and I think something like climbing, um, it, you know, you confront those natural fears, you know, fear of injury, fear of death, fear of falling, fear of heights, fear of exposure. Um, fear of failure. You know, climbing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fear of failure, fear of what other people think. Um, and climbing is a kind of a, a means to kind of confront all of those fears. Um, and I think the sad thing is, is that many climbers just spend their whole lives trying their best to avoid those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and fear of falling is like the classic example. You know, it's like people go to the crag with their clip sticks and work a route on top rope and then and, until they really, really know it. And then, they'll, and then they'll send it because 
for them, it's better to, to in, instead of face this fear of falling, it's better to just avoid it. Um, because it's like this part of climbing they don't like. Um, but in the end, it's, I think, you know, if we thought about it a bit more, we discover that there's actually value in kind of overcoming that fear. And that's really what's interesting about the sport of climbing. Um, but because we're so locked up in, you know, I want to send my project and I want to do this grade and, you know, maybe because you're fearful of what other people think, you don't see that there is value in that. Um, and that's kind of what interests me as a coach. Um, you know, I can tell people that maybe I can help them climb harder, but underneath it all, I'm kind of more interested in helping people see the value in that. I couldn't agree more because um, I have found, and you touched about that earlier, that this isn't just helping them with fear of, so that they can actually climb better, but it does transfer over to everything else in their life, whether it's their relationships, whether it's businesses, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be, you know, people, you, you'll see that kind of, if they can get past that fear that they have when they climb, it seems like it does transfer all of a sudden now they're a little bit more bold when they're maybe thinking of a business venture or a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also you just like, if you, if you can see the value, you know, there's just so much to learn by kind of converting, um, by kind of like confronting those fears and by kind of like taking something that was once fearful and then and then having it become less fearful. There's like there's something valuable just in that process mm-hmm. and it doesn't only just transfer over to other areas of your of your life, but you kind of learn a lot more in the in the process and it enables you to do so much more. You know, you'll get on that route that you wouldn't have done otherwise. You'll go on that trip you wouldn't have done otherwise. You'll talk to the girl in the bar you might not have spoken to and then life just becomes this kind of much richer thing other than this kind of like fearful thing. Yeah, more adventurous. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, one of the things that I've noticed and I'm just curious if this is true with you too, people ask me, well, aren't you afraid? And they expect me to say no. And when mm. I respond to them, I say, no, actually, you know, um, there's been moments where I've been <laughs> terrified, quite honest with you. You know, I really thought there was moments I was going to die on something. And, um, well, how did that affect you? And I, like, actually, it gave me strength. It, it for whatever reason, tapped into that power of fear. It's like this force of energy. It can either work against you and, and paralyze you. Or it can make you almost like superhuman where your adrenaline's rushing and you don't feel pumped and you're just you're gonna try that much harder mm-hmm. and um and I found yeah. that actually transfers over in life too, because you know, if you're afraid of something, instead of running from it, use that fear to actually make you try even harder. And so that's mm-hmm. one thing I've I'm just curious if that's true with you too. Yeah, totally. And I'm doing loads of kind of research into flow state right now. And there's this kind of like slogan. Um, See, so what you sort of described a little bit just then was a fight or flight response. Um, you know, like when you're kind of in that fear mindset, you can like, you can climb harder and you can, um, you know, this like fight, flight, or freeze. And there's like 
these different responses that are kind of innate to us as humans. But now they're kind of talking about this like offload response, which is kind of like, yeah, sure, you kind of try harder and maybe you feel less pumped, but you're also like in this hyper-focused mental state. And it's sort of, you know, this idea that all the best pieces of music and the best pieces of art and the best sporting achievements have all been achieved when you're kind of in this like hyper state of being. Um, I so I think I that's super more. interesting. You said that mind control is your first climb that you actually trained for. Tell us about your training that led up to this ascent. Uh, so I kind of decided that the best way to for me to get stronger and fitter in the past I've just gone climbing but with my shoulder injury I kind of decided that I should probably train in a more um uh, what's the word structured environment and so I uh, contacted Tom Randall who does the lattice training stuff yeah and, uh, so he's such a monster when it comes to training <laughs> yeah yeah, he knows a lot about training. And basically, he put me on this training program in, I think, June of last year. And But if I'm honest, I probably only completed about 50% of what he gave me, um, some of which because I traveled a bit more than we thought I, I would, and also because of I was still getting problems with my shoulder and and, you know, just body problems. And, um, but it still helped. It still helped a lot and I enjoyed it. And, but, you know, I think, I think I've learned quite a lot from that training, but I don't think that that's kind of the way I want to structure my life. You know, like a lot of climbers these days, especially professional climbers, they'll train for like 10 months of the year and then they'll like send their project in, in the other two months or something. And, I just don't think that, that that life is really what inspires me. And if it means that I can't climb my absolute hardest, then I'm not that bothered. <laughs> I'd rather go on like big adventures climbing and doing all of and, and traveling and seeing amazing places than um than climb my absolute hardest. So although I think I'm gonna train more now than I did previously and especially when I'm sort of in one place near a gym mm -hmm. um, I don't that think is, I'm really ever going to do this like structured life of training I don't think that's really for me if you're just going to focus on three exercises that you feel you get the biggest bang for the buck which ones would they be um well I know maybe doesn't this isn't going to come under training but um one thing that I'm always going to do now is TRX um, for my shoulders. And it kind of counts as training because I feel like it does make you way stronger on those moves where your arms are maxed out, which is like loads of moves if you're small. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also like super good for your core. So I'm always going to do TRX. Um, and then I think maybe what I do is that when I'm close to a gym, I would do like repetitions of boulders in the gym and then yeah. yeah and then and then probably some fingerboarding um, mm -hmm. I've got a fingerboard in my van actually I, I hardly ever use it but I should probably start using it a bit more 
um, especially if I go on kind of like more trad climbing trips where you're not climbing at your limit quite as much, I think I'll start to do more fingerboard sessions. Yeah. Do you use it at all when you're like getting ready for a send? Do you, how do you warm up for like something like mind control? Well, mind control is really easy because so I do some TRX to like switch on all my shoulder muscles, switch on my core, and then there's like a 7A and a 7B, so like 12B, 12C at the crag you can do uh, to warm up. But then it's kind of cool because mind control starts up a 7C and, and then you get a really big rest. So you've already kind of done your warm up before mm, you have sense. to start the hard section. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of nice. It's kind of an easy one, actually. Like, some of those routes just start off the ground with bouldering, and uh, that would be way more difficult. Yeah, I know some of them start off with, like, a V10 boulder palm. It's like a nice warm-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, switching gears, back in 2013, you free-climbed free route in Yosemite. What's your thoughts on Pete Whitaker's mind-blowing solo of that route in the day? Um, yeah, it's, it's super impressive. Um, yeah, he's a, he's really impressive. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love to be able to free it in a day, so I can't even imagine, um, what it would Is be like. Is that like something on your checklist? Yeah, definitely. Like, I would really, really love to do free rider in a day. I think that'd be awesome. Just, just to know that you'd be fit enough to climb all of that rock in a day. And then just the day would just be, would be so fun to kind of like do all of that climbing. Um, so yeah, that's like, I mean, it's not, it's not a goal in the sense like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that this May, but it's kind of like one of those distant goals that hopefully I'll get done at some point in my life. No, that's a, that'd be an impressive tick. Is it, is it, is it, think it's feasible for you to do it in a day by yourself? Like you did it? No, I'd probably want to just rock climb it with someone else, I think. A partner? I, I've not really done much rope soloing. Um, I kind of like to teach myself a bit more of that stuff because I'd love to do a wall on my own. But um, I think it's just been nice. It seems natural to do that with a partner, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely adds something to your uh, repertoire of having something, uh, if you don't have a partner, for example, um, that you go do a route. Yeah, just go a bell cap anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you still climb with your dad? Um, not so much because he lives in Australia. Um, but when I go to visit him, we we climbed a little bit together. That's so cool. You know, I, I watching some of the videos of you and him. I'm just going, wow, what a super cool dad you got. Seriously. Amazing. You know, yeah. Because most dads are nice. uh, Just so you know, most dads aren't like that with their daughters in terms of <laughs> encouraging yeah. them to do something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was always lucky for that, you know. Like, yeah, just he never kind of treated me different because I was, a, I was a girl or anything. Like, he just kind of was like, you know, never expected me to be scared or anything just kind of encouraged me so yeah well, that's so cool that. so he was like that way with you when you first started climbing and just feed you to that way 
Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Just, just really encouraging. That's so cool. So how old are you now? I'm 27. 27. Where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? Oh, I don't know. Maybe just hidden away. If the, if the world is still going how it is now, maybe just like in a house in the woods somewhere with a local crag. Just like... <laughs> with a vegetable plot. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. it's In the States here, it's it's pretty insane. We're just going, really? This is really happening, isn't it? My God. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. scary. I mean, it's not much better in Europe, really. I know. It's just, it's like the world's going insane. Kind of sad. Yeah, I know. And finally, what what words of inspiration would you like to share with the triple black community, especially with for women that want to climb like you? Um, I think, yeah, kind of what I was saying earlier about, you know, not not kind of like avoiding the things that scare you and kind of like just looking at them a bit closer. And I think as soon as you kind of like start on that journey, then it like takes you to some interesting places. Oh, true. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Hazel. Really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, it was a fun, fun conversation. Yeah, wish you all the best of luck and Hopefully, when you do come back to the States, get a chance to uh, meet you in person. It'd be, it'd be nice to maybe do some filming. Yeah. Where are you based? Based out of uh, San Francisco area. Okay, so yeah. next time you're in the it's valley, shoot, yeah, shoot us a, uh, a message and uh, do some filming. It'd be nice. Yeah, be fun. Yeah. Right. Well, take care of yourself. Cool. And yeah, yeah. Um, and you. Nice uh, chatting. <laughs> All the best of luck to you. Bye bye. Yeah, cool. All right, thanks bye. a lot. Bye. <laughs> Hazel just left some takeaways that should definitely help us up our game, especially when it comes to dealing with negative mind chatter. As a mental mind coach for climbers, she suggests the following If you want to climb hard, you really need to try hard. You need to go all out and hold nothing back. If you're struggling keeping your mind quiet and focused, something we all struggle with, just allow yourself to try something new, even if you fail. As Hazel says, in the grand scheme of life, what does it really matter if you totally fail on this route? It doesn't, right? No. <laughs> Climbing is about having that experience of pushing yourself and experience in nature and adventure with others. Who wants to be around someone who's just beating themselves up? I certainly don't. Climbing is about having fun. If you don't get the route that season, there's always gonna be another and another. And even if you don't get it, who really gives a shit, seriously? The point is, get back to your roots of why you got into climbing in the first place. You want to quiet that mind? Get rid of all the bullshit that's going along with all that. Thinking that you've got to be sending this route and comparing yourself to others. 
I mean, my God, I see this happen all the time. People judging themselves and thinking they should be climbing a certain level. I mean, Hazel Finley is, is an extraordinary climber. Don't compare yourself to her. But you can learn from her. You can see why she's climbing as hard as she is. She's having fun, right? And that's what's something we should all be doing, is just going out there and just having a good time. Just go out there, hang out with your friends, try your hardest, push yourself. Don't be afraid to try something that you don't think you can do. And even if you don't, who cares? Get back to that whole thing of why you're getting to climbing in the first place. And if you do that, seriously, 10, 20 years from now, you'll still be climbing. You'll still be having fun. You'll be, who knows what level you'll be climbing at. And who really cares? Try hard, my friends. Try harder than you've ever tried before, and I guarantee you will find yourself identifying with Hazel Finley's incredible philosophy. Until next week, my friends, this is Dan Goodwin with Drill Black TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports. Visualize yourself reaching the summit or the top of your climb, feeling this incredible sense of accomplishment, all because you had the courage to just try.